you're listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there from 1968, Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's with I Heard It Through the Grapevine. Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's featuring Tommy Chong, yes, that was Tommy Chong playing on I Heard It Through the Grapevine. And today on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show, two interviews with Tommy Chong. An interview from August the 14th, 1993, and a brand new interview with Tommy Chong on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show. So, let's first go back to August the 14th, 1993, at the Highwood Music Festival in Edmonton, Alberta. Here is my interview with Tommy Chong, and then coming up, a brand new interview with Tommy Chong on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show. Did you do a station ID for our radio station, you I think, Tommy you. Chong? I love you, man. It's, it's CITR FM 101.9. 101.9. Yeah, be wild, creative. <laughs> this is dork radio. <laughs> Remember dork radio? Did you ever hear dork radio? It was off one of our records. It's the college station, D-O-R-K. Okay. Hey, man, this is Tommy Chong, and I listen to CTR. I'm sorry. Hey, this is Tommy Chong, and I listen to CITR Radio FM 109. Uh, it's college radio, so I really get stoned first, then I listen to it. All right. Thanks very much. Keep on rocking in the free world. Yeah, hey, play a record I know, man. Um, uh, so, so, Tommy, you, um, whatever happened, how did you end up playing on a Joni Mitchell record? Oh, right. Yeah, well, she, she, uh, her and Cheech had an affair one time, man. She liked Mexicans. <laughs> so they were, they were, they were a number then, I guess, yeah. She actually liked tacos a lot. So she asked us if, uh, if we'd be on her record. And she was, uh, we were on... She was on one of ours, and so we returned the favor. Have you ever heard of McLean and McLean before? Canadian comedians? McLean magazines? McLean and McLean. They're a Canadian comediomic team or whatever. They had Burton Cummings sung for them once. I was just wondering if you knew why he did, but I guess you've never heard of them. I, I think I have heard of them, as a matter of fact. They're Canadians, aren't they? Yeah, old school Canadians, like yourself. <laughs> from where, West Van? No, I think they're from back east. Oh, yeah, where? Like, like uh, where, Vegreville? No, I think um, it might it might be a Halifax or something like that. Halifax, well, that's back east, eh? Hey, who was Abe Stenenko? Like, he's a real guy, isn't he? Abe Stenenko's a cop from Vancouver. That tried to bust every hippie in town until uh, I put him in the movies and got his ass transferred to uh, Turkey. <laughs> so, and do you know where he is now? He's still in Turkey? Probably. I don't know where Abe is now. I hope he's in Turkey. He's probably being, the, you know, the other end of that Midnight Express, you know, being raped by some prison guard. 
and liken it known to Dinkle. Didn't you, um, like, what was that band that, that you were, yeah, you know, I, you know, like, really was it four ends and now, what's this, I don't get it, I don't get it, I don't get it. I had a band once, we call ourselves Four Niggers and a Chink. And then you change it to four ends and a C and then four, uh, three colored fellows and oriental lad. Well, we, we, every week we changed the sign. It was start out with four niggers and a chink and then went to four colored guys and a Chinese lad. And then it ended up four ends and a C. And, and you, you, you like played cool plays like Oil Can Harry's. Yeah, worked Oil Can Harry's. Well, Danny Basita, you know the owner? Or the ex-owner, he's in, uh, he's a dealer now down in L.A. Do you really love drugs? Yeah, I really do. You really do? Yeah, I, I gotta admit it. I do. I think drugs are what's happening, and I advise everybody to do them, especially young kids. <laughs> is, there, is there any drugs you haven't done that, that you won't do, but you sort of want to? Okay, cigarettes. I won't do cigarettes, because nicotine will kill you. And I don't really drink a lot of booze, you know. Alcohol kill you. But I smoke all the pot I can find. I don't smoke it all at once. I just do a little bit at a time, you know. And I, um, I, I used to take acid, but I quit around 1971. How about ecstasy? Like, there's a lot of new ravers that are into ecstasy and stuff. Are you into that? I've done ecstasy, and uh, it was great. You know, remember John Lurie from Stranger Than Paradise, an actor? Yes, it sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, him and I did ecstasy together. We had a very nice time. We sort of chatted all night. And, well, some strange man necked with his girlfriend in the room, in, a, in another room for about four hours. And she came out of the room. She was on ecstasy, too. And she did, she thought it was John. <laughs> she was necking with a stranger. And she thought it was her boyfriend. Are you a Canadian still? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I might have lost my citizenship, but uh, I don't think you can lose your citizenship. So, yeah, I made it in L.A., so sometimes, they, you know, we get disbarred from Canada. But you were born in Canada. Born in Edmonton, eh? University Hospital. Right here? Right here in Edmonton. What year? 1938. May, May 24. 1938. In fact, my mother said there was firecrackers going off. They had a big celebration. And, and you got on a rock and roll tip right off the bat? I was about 16 when I found out that music could get you laid. So I got into music, boy. Didn't matter what you look like either. You know, you'd be a geeky looking guy, but if you played music, whoa, you get the girls. What do you, that band Four Ends and a C. No, didn't you also join Bobby Taylor in the Vancouver's? I was the original guy that started that group. Bobby Taylor. I was, I started out with a group called The Shades in, Cal, we're in Calgary. The first group. Not The Shades of Blonde, was it? No. Featuring Mel Shaw, 49th Parallel, 60s Garage Punk, Danny Lowe, Q Sound, Madonna? No, but they probably got the name from us if you say Mel Shaw. Is Mel Shaw, Mel Shaw Jr. or the guy that discovered the Stampeders? Mel Shaw, the guy discovered the Stampeders. Okay, well, see, we, he was a groupie uh, hanging around when we were, our first band was, was called The Shades. It was because there was an Indian, American, or a Canadian Indian, uh, 
black guy named Tommy Melton, Indian named Dick Bird, and myself, half Chinese. We call ourselves the Shays because we're all different colors. And we used to do a stage show. Then we added uh, Eric Murray on drums and uh, Pete Watts on sax and my brother on bass. And then we called ourselves the Shades. And we played Calgary and Edmonton from 1955, 56 to 58 when we were asked to leave by the mayor. And we went to Calgary. Then we became the uh, Little Daddy and the Bachelors. Pause, yeah, what's up? Well, I just want a picture, man. Okay. We were, we're like, taking a picture. We here. were like pals in school. Right? Yeah. We did time in uh, detox. In detox together. <laughs> the Betty Ford Clinic. <laughs> Thank you. And then I went to Canada, and then I uh, discovered oil, and I... Little Daddy and the Bachelors, did the Shades ever record anything? The Shades never recorded anything. The Little Daddy and the Bachelors recorded uh, a couple of records, yeah. We won a contest at the Teen Fair in Vancouver, and the recording... The first prize was a uh, recording contract, <laughs> and we recorded in a radio station on the stairway. And we did a record. And it got put. That's Walk on the Wild Side, right? No, the record was. Uh, it's about a Night Train review, maybe. There's a, that's another band. It's on that history of Vancouver Rock and Roll Volume Two. It's been reissued, which you probably don't see any money from. But you probably don't need the money, right? Well, no, I always need the money, but I don't see it. Yeah, we're on it. It's called um, Junior's Jerk. Junior's Jerk has that great reverb in it, doesn't it? Like it's instrumental. Yeah, yeah, that was mine. That was I did that, and. Um, you ever heard of Wes Dacus? Because he was from Edmonton. Wes, Wes Dacus. Uh, or Dacus. Dacus. We played um, Battle of the Bands with Wes. Uh, when the Shades came up. And it was Wes Dacus and the Rebels, was it? Yeah. Yeah. He a little, wear a little suit and play bass. Because they ended up recording with um, Norman Petty in Clovis, New Mexico. With Buddy Holly's, these guys who did Buddy Holly. Yeah. I don't doubt it, man. They were good. Bobby Cairns played guitar. He's a hell of a guitar player in Edmonton here. Edmonton always had the better musicians, but we had better looking guys in Calgary. What happened? Um, did you? What happened? Like Bobby Taylor, Vancouver is like it's. In, you started that group. It was the first Canadian group, or the first non-black group to be signed to Motown. That's pretty wild. Yeah, we had a number one record. Yeah, we, we, oh, there's a lot of history there. We discovered the Jackson 5. They were the opening for us one place. and uh, That was Bobby Taylor who discovered, or you you helped. Well, we were there. We were all there at the same time. We we're, were playing a chitlin' gig, you know, chitlin' circuit, all the black clubs. And uh, we played um, the Regal Theater in Chicago, and the Jackson 5 were opening for us. And so we took him to the, uh, Detroit and had, had him signed on with Motown. Was it hard to get signed to Motown, I mean, being a Vancouver band? Well, I had an after-hours club in Vancouver, and when, this, when any of the Motown acts would play, called. it was called the Elegant Parlor. Whenever the Motown acts would play in Vancouver, they all came down to my club because it was like a black after-hours booze bar you know it was hip and we played music that's when the vancouver's we played there and so the supremes actually discovered us first their party one night and they told barry barry gordy flew in 
to Vancouver, seen us, signed us, and you know, we went to uh, Detroit. We're going to Detroit. What year was that? 1967. Because around that same time, um, uh, do you, have you ever smoked anything with Neil Young before, Tommy? Tommy. I've never met Tommy. I, I never. Tommy. Met, Ch I never met Tommy. Ch never met Neil Young. I just seen him in a movie where he had a big coke booger in his nose. That's the only time. And I... they airbrushed it out. No, they left it in. No, the last waltz. They airbrushed it out. Not in the version I saw. Big, huge coke booger. Because he had, a, he was playing with Rick James at the time, and they recorded an album for Motown. It was never released. I met Rick James later, and I met George Clinton later. The only Motown people I knew were the Temptations, Smokey, Stevie. Um, How about any of the King artists like Brown? Did you ever party with James Brown? Well, James, it's, it's weird. James, uh, their band used to come to the parlor and sit in with us. It was really band of JBs? James Brown, you know, that great R&B band, the drummer. Or, uh, Bobby Bird or whatever. No, no. Yeah. Let's see. Some famous, famous guy. Oh, Fred Wesley? Maceo Parker? Maceo. No, Maceo played sax, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Trombone yeah. or trumpet. Yeah. Well, they used to sit in. One night, we, we uh, this other promoter had a club upstairs. He was trying to go psychedelic, and this is at the height of the, the Motown era. And he booked all these groups that le later went on to become mega superstars, like uh, Janis Joplin and uh, the Rolling Stones. And he had this club upstairs, and he, and he couldn't make any money with it. It's called the Retinal Circus. And he used to book, and my, my club was right below that in the basement. And our club would be packed, and theirs, his would be empty with the stones, with the rolling stones. They never drew anybody. It was amazing. So this, uh, one night, uh, all the James Brown's band was playing on stage, and we're up there jamming. And I look in the back, and I could see Mick Jagger and Keith Richards trying to get in the club, and they couldn't get in because it was too crowded. Because James Brown, what do you think his drug of preference is? Because he was known to do angel dust. <laughs> well, James went through a bisexual period that was real funny. Remember that song, Please, Please, Please? Well, James had a gay lover at the time. And he'd be on his knees. If you look at some film, you see him on his knees, and this guy would run up and throw a, a fur coat over him and pick him up and carry him off the stage. Remember that? And then James would break loose and come running back and please, please, and he'd sing some more. And then this, this guy, would, well, the guy that would run out and grab him, that was his, James's lover. So James was very heavy bisexual for the longest time. And then he changed, you know, I don't know what happened, but. He ended up opening, he was trying to open a bunch of burger restaurants in the ghettos. Did you hear about that? What was that about? Uh, James, man, he was, he's, you know, he's from the South. You know, and he was like a down-home brother, you know. Not too many smarts, like the rest of them, you know, like the rest of us. Anybody in rock and roll, you know, we just knew one thing, you know, music. And James is one of them. He was a cool guy, though. I met him. Have you seen him since? Or did any of the old rock and rollers phone you up at all coming through town? They got short memories, a lot of them, man. They don't remember. Well, they're old fuckers, too, you know. I know, uh, like Joe Jackson, J uh, Michael Jackson's brother, uh, father doesn't remember me. 
I met him one time. He Maybe he doesn't want to remember you. Selective memory. He's fucking stupid, man. He doesn't remember me. <laughs> he does not. I look him in the eye. He doesn't remember me. It's weird, man. I think he... I don't know, whatever. You know, Jermaine and all the rest, they do, you know, because they were, like, halfway... They had a half a brain, you know? When did, like, the Vancouver's break up? Was that your last band before movies started? Yeah. I got fired. I, I got fired. I, I had a... I was getting my green card, so I had a Mo, so Motown. I had Motown paying for it. Myself and the bass player, because I knew how important a green card is, you know, working down the states. So I, I had a gig. I was backing up. Uh, Bobby had left. He went on with Smokey, and the, the Vancouver's were backing up a girl called Chris Clark, who was, who was Barry Gordy's white girl of the of the month club, you know, and so. Um, I had to leave town in the middle of the gig to go to do an interview to get my green card. And uh, she fired me for leaving the gig. This is after I told her what I had to do. And so I got fired. So I quit the band and came to Vancouver and started an improv group. Then I met Cheech. And, uh, Had Cheech been in bands before? Yeah. He was, uh, he was little Caesar and the, and the Chicanos or something, you know. He had a Chicano band, like a Ricky Val Valley kind of band. And he also was in Calgary. He sang in a, a Bragg Creek in a, outside of Calgary. And, uh, yeah, he's, he was in a lot of bands. Do you have any Brian Wilson stories? <laughs> The minute we went to, Cheech and I were playing Vegas one time, and we walked in the elevator, and Brian was huddled in the corner. And I don't know how long he'd been, he'd been riding the elevator up and down. I don't know how long. But he's just, he's kind of comatose in the corner. So we never said anything. We just looked over, and I was like, Brian. I didn't even want to help him. Nah, what can you do? He's fucked up. We met Ted Nugent one time. That was funny. Just recently. I said, hey, Ted, how are you doing in the elevator? I said, I'm Tommy Chong. And Ted says, no, I'm Ted Nugent. <laughs> and I said, no, Ted, I'm Tommy Chong. He goes, oh, I'm sorry, man, I'm deaf. He's, he's like, he's deaf. He can't hardly hear. How about Elvis? Elvis sent us a Christmas card one time. That's the closest I ever got to Elvis. Why would, like, who would send you Christmas cards? Why? Just celebrities to celebrities or any particular reason? I think Elvis probably got into our movies and, you know, that was his way of saying, you know, hello. That's about all I can think of. How about Margaret Trudeau? No, nothing on Margaret, no. I was, I was doing movies then when she was fucking Mick. Did you get to go to the White House and meet Nixon? Close, any White House. Close I got to the White House, I was in the Swedish embassy with Peter Sellers one night. Peter was going with uh, the daughter of the ambassador, and uh, I had a gig in Washington, and Peter called me up, and he said, uh, he sent me a telegram saying, the uh, Swedish ambassador requests the uh, presence of Sir Ashley Rochecliffe at the residence. And Ashley Rochecliffe was a um, character from, from one of our records. And so uh, I went there, and we had a great time. We played records, got stoned, 
and kept ringing these bells that the maids would come in, you know. There's a bell there, and it said service, so we'd push it, and a sleepy maid would show up about 10 minutes later. Can I help you? And we'd look around, oh, yeah, get us a beer. And so she'd get us a beer, and then we'd start, we, yeah, we, we had a good time. Because it was, it was legal, because it was on Swedish territory, so we could smoke dope. So, Tommy Chong, how about the Beatles? It's been rumored that John and Paul had some wild escapades in different rooms. Did you ever hear anything about that? I met I met John and Rod Stewart in a bedroom the same night. It was at a party at Lou Adler's house. And they were in there. I was going to go and find a place to smoke a joint. And they were in there. John was sitting on the floor kind of... In his, he was in his Mei Ling era, you know, the Chinese secretary. And Rod was sitting on the bed. I think he was going, or he just met Britt Ackland at the time. And I come in, I hey, how are you doing, guys? Lit up a joint. And they freaked. They were afraid of the immigration. And John wouldn't take a toke, and Rod wouldn't take a toke. So I said, fuck you, smoked it myself. That was the only time I met those guys. Bruno Gerussi? Who's Bruno Gerussi? The Beachcombers. The Canadian superstar. <laughs> Wojak. Wojak? Leslie Nielsen. I've I seen Leslie. I rode the plane with Leslie. Just recently. That was a weird feeling, man. It's like being in the plane in the movie. He's sitting in the, you know, it's like air, airplane, you know. So what are you doing now? Trying to get paid. <laughs> By Paul Hughes? Huh? How are you trying to get paid? Well, for the gig. <laughs> That's why the bands are here. They're all trying to get paid. How much does it, if I may dare ask, does it command to get Tommy Chong to come and MC a concert? Not quite two figures. Close, but not, yeah, actually two figures. Never one? Oh, yeah. So are you living here right now? Like, do you go home right now to your house? In Edmonton? Yeah, or do you have anywhere to stay? I don't think so, man. Edmonton? No relatives anywhere? Because you said you're from Edmonton, or you went to school here. Nah, no more relatives anymore. They tore Chinatown down, man. And whatever relative I had, were they were living there, and they're gone. Calgary, I got, a, I got some nieces. Stompin' Tom Connors. I like him, man. I like his ketchup song. Is that him? Yeah. Pierre Burton. Good writer. Great, great Canadian. He knows more about Canadian bullshit than anybody. All right. Well, anything else you'd like to add to our video documentation of Tommy Chong's evening here at Highwood 1993? Uh, if I don't get paid, I'm going to take a whole lot of martial amps home with me on the plane. All right, Tommy Chong, do 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 do. Running to and fro, out of working at the mill, never failing in the mail. Here comes the rotten bill. Too much for To me, trying to run me up the creek so you can buy a phone, try it, you can pay me next week. Too much money, 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 too much
looking, trying to get me hooked on me to make her get her home, settle down, ride her, but I have too much fun. Army shoes, army clothes, army boots, army cars. still listening to the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard from 1965 Little Daddy and the Bachelors with Too Much Monkey Business featuring Tommy Chong on guitar. And before that, an interview with Tommy Chong from August the 14th, 1993. Coming up right now is a brand new interview with Tommy Chong and his wife, Shelby, on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. Who are you? Who are you? Who I'm, are you? I'm Tommy Chong. And who do you have beside you, Tommy? This is my gorgeous uh, boss, Shelby Chong. That's right. I'm the boss, sometimes. She wears it, that outfit right there. No. LMR secrets, okay. please. By Mad Dog. And she, she has a whip, too. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Back to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Oh, that's where we are, huh? And right off the bat, I would like to give you something that I always give rappers. Oh, the, the Big Bamboo. Big bamboo. Oh, are you aware that I give a lot of rappers the Big Bamboo? I bet. You do? Really? You have copies of that? I do. Wow, it's amazing. We have given this actually to Little Wayne, to Rico Nasty, and Schoolboy Q. He actually smoked this. Could you tell about this? People weren't supposed to smoke this, were they? Like, Schoolboy Q smoked it right then and there. Although this one, you could. It's it's a better paper than the oh, is original. This a, is this a new edition of it? Is that yeah, one? No, that, that's the original. Original? The paper's really good, though. Beautiful. It's in mint condition, only the best. Chong would have enough dope to fill this up, too. But thank you, Craig Braun. Yeah, he was the guy that uh, designed it all. Did he get credit for it? Probably not. Yeah, he got credit, but he never got paid. Yeah, that's that was the... Uh, that's a Lou Adler thing. We never got paid either. 
But I give that to a lot of rappers when they come through Vancouver in celebration of you being from Vancouver. I know originally from Calgary, but I kind of, is it okay to say Tommy's from Vancouver at all, Shelby? It's fine, for sure. But we can't leave out Calgary, can we? Or Edmonton. I think he did Edmonton. Actually, Calgary, Calgary whipped Vancouver's butt in hockey la- the, the other night. <laughs> and, that's, <I'm> there. <laughs> and that's what I'd like to ask you about. What can you say about this right there? The Calgary oh, Shades. See, this is the... This was... Wow. This is the band we brought to Vancouver. It wasn't the band we started off with in Calgary. But they're all gone except me. What were your memories of the Shades? Like you played Britannia High School, Bill Doggett numbers. Oh, yeah. High School, the Shades did? Wow. They sure did. I remember Brit. You 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 weren't even born. No, I was a baby then. (laughs) But I still remember Brit. (laughs) Britannia. Some Bill Doggett, though, right? Well, uh, um. Honky Tonk. Honky Tonk. Honky Tonk Part 1 and 2. Yeah. That was a big hit. And you also played in Seattle with the Shades? Yeah, we did. We did. That was, uh, wasn't legal. We snuck down and we played, uh, played one gig. Yeah, we did. What was it like in Calgary growing up? Like, people called the cops on you because you were riding horses? Oh, no. That was uh, when, when we went to Red Deer, Alberta. And we had a gig in Red Deer. And so we were there early and, and our, one of our favorite things to do was rent horses. And, and because Tommy, well, all of them grew up riding horses. Where's Tommy? Tommy, Tommy? Tommy was an expert horse rider. Well, he was an expert football player. And so we, we'd rent horses and then we'd, you know, ride the piss out of them <laughs> and then take them back all wet and sloppy. And so we went to Red Deer and we tried to, we actually did that. And, uh, and the guy uh, tried to make us ride in formation, you know, okay, follow me. And we said, yeah, right. Rah! And we went racing off. Then they chased us, and that was fun. And then uh, they called the cops. And pretty soon uh, the cops were going around picking up all the black people that were in Red Deer at the time, which was our wow. band. Oh, because it was just your band. Just our band. <laughs> and, and, but Maxine happened to be with us. And, uh, and so, yeah, we got stopped and picked up and taken to the police station. And uh, not fingerprinted or anything, but they just wanted to know what the hell are you guys doing here, you know. And, and we were just riding horses and, and playing music, playing rock and roll. Eventually, the Shades moved to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and became Little Daddy and The Bachelor. Oh my goodness, he has everything. You're amazing. This is this is the one and only tune I wrote, Junior's Jerk. Uh, there's a jerk coming out and so i did junior's jerk it's a good song where did you record that we recorded it on in a where i'm trying to think it was Aragon. no 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 it wasn't a recording he was doing it was a radio station on uh hastings i believe upstairs and we we had to be out in the in the stairway because he never had a recording studio we won by the way we won the teen fair thing Oh, because of this. Yeah, we won the teen fair, and that w- we won a recording uh, contract with RCA Records. Oh, and because of that? Yeah. Oh. And, and so there was no recording studio in Vancouver at the time, so we recorded it on the stairway uh, way, uh, going up to the radio station. And it was like a one-take thing. Cheech, uh, Tommy was uh, too much monkey business. Exactly. Yeah. On the other side. On one side. Do you remember the song Come On Home? 
because you recorded that in Seattle at Kearney Barton Audio. Do you remember it all recording in Seattle, Washington? I don't think it was me. That was Tommy. Or maybe Wes Anderson. No, no, it was Tommy. But it was called Little Daddy and the Bachelors. Yeah, Tommy Tommy recorded on his own. own, Called Little with Little Daddy and the Bachelors. Yeah. Is there much unreleased from you guys? Is there only the seven inch? Well, there's only that that I can remember. That you did. Yeah. No, we never, re- that was the only recording we did that I was involved with, you know, but I know Tommy formed the band and, you know, formed another band and recorded So, and, uh. Was that after? The Things That I Used To Do, I think, was another song. Did he, did he record that one? I'm not sure, but they were going through some tapes at Kearney Barn Audio in Seattle and they found that unreleased and they released it and they said possibly that you were on it, but you weren't on that. I wasn't on that one. It's on Northwest Killers Shout, a compilation. They recently found some old tapes. We're like, oh my God. Tommy, Tommy was very. Um, he tried. He tried but his was best. Was that after you left? Yeah. yeah. Okay. After we broke up. Taylor. Uh, uh, well, I was curious. What can you say about these people right here? What can you say? Okay. Again, I'm the only. I'm the only guy <laughs> left. Uh, That's Tommy Milton, Wes Anderson. That's me. And this is Don Mallory. Now, Don Mallory was from Seattle. Don was a drummer, and Don was very funny. He looks like Jimmy. He's got that same. Oh, yeah, he does. He yeah, does. he's got that same uh, Jimmy Hendrix. <laughs> Don, Don, Don was a trip. What do you think, Shelby? Oh, he looks so handsome. Took his glasses off. And we actually have some more posters here from the Little Daddy era. What's going on here? The Twist Dance Party in Ladysmith. Okay, that was without us. That's what that was. Oh, it's with That wasn't was I wasn't in this one. Tease Cabaret reopened. Oh, Tease was the hip club. Look look, look how much the admission was. A dollar twenty five. A dollar twenty five. My older sisters used to go to. Tease Cabaret. That was the hip place. Yeah. And you played there tons, didn't you, Tommy? We opened it. Oh, oh, that was the new one. That was the new one that reopened. Look, it reopened. Is that the one in West Vancouver? This one. Uh, in West Van? It was a club? Yeah, he went. Yeah, he started a club in West Van. That wasn't the one? No, 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 no. no. This was in Chinatown, this one. Not, not West Van. The west side of Vancouver. <laughs> West Van? What's going on there? What do you remember about West Van at all, Shelby? In those days? Yeah. Like where we live now? Yeah. I don't think we even went over there. We didn't even know about it, I don't think. And also, we have another poster right here, Little Daddy and the Bachelors at the Embassy Ballroom. With the drifters? With the real drifters? Little Daddy and the Bachelors. Do you remember that? Is that, um, what's her name's dad? No. Uh, no, no, no. Oh. That was the platters. Oh. oh. We, we, you know the platters? We know the platters, uh, The one of the, the daughters. Daughter. And lastly, there's another Little Daddy poster right here. Little Daddy and the Bachelors at Danceland. Oh, Danceland. We all remember Danceland, right? <laughs> what do you remember about Tommy from the era? Did you ever see the da- Little Daddy and the Bachelors? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We used to hang out with Little Daddy and the Bachelors. That's when I met him. And when we met him, and then we said, well, what was this shit? You guys are all, you're all married and you're calling yourself bachelors, so... <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and was that in White Rock? White Rock. Yeah, we met in White Rock, and that was the first time. Yeah. And then um, we met at the teen fair after that. Yeah. 
What about Bobby Taylor? You met him in San Francisco? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bob, we saw Bobby at uh, Big Al's strip club, and uh, he great singer. And so when we got back, we were on a road trip, and when we got back to Vancouver, our drummer quit, Floyd Steed. He quit. And uh, <laughs> we phoned Bobby to ask him if he could find a drummer for us. And Bobby said, hey, I can play drums. I'll come. And so he came up to be our drummer and singer, and he ended up just being the singer. Were you living on the beach at that time in L.A.? Did you ever live on a beach in L.A.? We lived in Venice Beach, but not on a beach. We lived in a house. But didn't you live on a beach trying to be a songwriter in between? Yeah, it was yeah, Venice. But it, but it wasn't on the beach. It was in a house. You're ruining the story, Shelby. That's more romantic. Okay, I was on the beach. When was that? You tried to be a songwriter in between yeah. The Bachelors? 68, 69, 69. Yeah. 68, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I got fired from Motown. And so then uh, we, we, we migrated to uh, Venice because we saw a movie called uh, Alice B. Toklas. I Love You, Alice B. Toklas with Peter Sellers. And all the hippies were living there. So then we said, let's move to Venice. Yeah, we were sitting in, in Detroit looking at uh, Venice Beach. We said, let's go there. <laughs> and so we did. Yeah. And that was after the Vancouver's, right? You did a lot of stuff with the Vancouver's. Oh. Yeah. She was in oh. this hotel when we took this picture. Yeah, I was. I was. That's a that's a that's a creepy looking group. I think I like that other group much better. <laughs> she was quite pregnant. What do you mean that was a good looking this is you know what happened? We had a black group, but they got they got they got deported from from Van, uh, Vancouver because they they, they they went down to celebrate. They went down to celebrate our signing. And that's, um, that's Tommy Chong. <laughs> Did Eddie and Robbie help babysit Michael Jackson? Yes. Well, yeah. they were they were around at the time. Backstage. Oh, yeah, yeah, they did, yeah. yeah. Like, like we did. Yeah, we were all there. Were you on the road, too? Yeah, but they didn't help. They didn't, nobody needed to babysit them. They were like little men at the time. I thought he was practicing. He was like 10 years old, practicing oh, his routine. Show. And he was so tiny, you have to get a chair or a stool to climb up to do his hair. He was so cute. A little uh, Coke box. Yeah. You turn it over yeah. and stand up there. Oh, no, they were all like, they acted like they were 40, all of them. They were very cool. But you remembered Shelby and Tom for being in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And actually, right now here, let's bring over with Aaron Chaman, the author of an important book. Oh, hey, Tommy, how are you? Good to see you again. Could you explain who who do we have here, Aaron? Who do we have here? We have Tommy Chong and Shelby Chong here. It's amazing. This is amazing. This and and this, speaking of history, Tommy, I interviewed you about this last year. Yeah. And and when I saw you last, I we didn't have it out yet. So it's out now. And there's a chapter in here, basically dedicated to you, called Four Clubs and a Chong." Is it? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, is that what you call? Yeah. <laughs> I love so that. I'm very proud to finally put a copy in your hands. And, and, and thanks for all the great stories and, uh, and, and whatnot in there, too. And all the clubs we've been talking about, or you've been talking, a lot of them are in there. But of course, the Blues Palace, uh, Elegant Parlor, all your clubs you ran, Shang back at the Shanghai Junk. Every major act in the world came through Vancouver. Oh, the Marco Polo. Oh, yeah, look at this one with the Marco Polo. It's amazing. 
And also, Shelby, A.O. Aaron wrote a book all about the Clark Park Gang. Yes, and I know your brother Stan. Yeah, so, yeah. I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. An entire book. Yes. You so I, an entire book about book the... Yeah. Stan the man? Not just about Stan, but... Last gang in town. But, but about the, 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 the days of the Clark Park Gang when back we were in the little, I think we were like 13, 14, whenever we'd walk through Clark Park, they'd all, the, guys, the gang would come out to attack us. They'd go, we're Stan's brothers, <laughs> sisters, <laughs> Stan's sisters. So they go, okay, let him go, let him go. <laughs> and over there is the Blues Palace as well, and the yeah, moon glow. Yeah, the poster. Yeah, but although they but got what? mistitled on that poster, the Blues Place. What's Oh, Moongo Cla- Moon Cabaret. That's where the shades played. Yeah. Oh, what a yeah, poster is from. Long, but, uh, oh, no. it looks so great. Look Beautiful how it's painted. Wow. Yeah, oh, that's so fun. Wow. And some of the stories of of, uh, of how the Blues Palace ended and the West uh, Side neighbors getting upset oh, are in there too. Got, <laughs> so. All the neighbors got upset. So that's oh, a gift there. for you from yeah. Aaron. Yes. I was just passing through, so welcome back to town. Autographed. Aaron, autographed, autographed. Oh, you did? Yes. So enjoy, and and wonderful to have you back in town for a bit. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, we'll see you soon. And thanks so much, Aaron, and do-do-loot-do. do In Aaron's book, it mentioned a Shanghai junk. That was a club that was a strip club, but you changed it to a comedy club without telling people? No, we told the people that needed to know... You're but right. No, there was no advertisement, so the guys would come out down that were up north would come to the club and they go. It was a strip club. Yeah. They go, "Where's the fucking girls? Get these yeah, hippies we, off the stage." We, I was a waitress. They go. We said. would. Uh, we'd start the show off with a mime artist. Oh, yeah, you tortured them. You tortured them. <laughs> and they're thinking they're going to see a girly show, and then and then David Graham would come out and sing a song. And then I would finally break the the comedy by coming up and beating him to death with a rolled up newspaper. But then they did have girls in the show that took off their clothes. So oh then, yeah, so yeah, yeah, we but, we. but the audience went from being packed to nothing. So Tommy's brother fired him. From well, it wasn't packed. No, what the, we, we we packed him in. But the thing is, oh we yeah, changed the, from uh, a strip club bikers and b- horny businessmen to theater goers that really enjoyed the improvisational theater. And so we packed the club, but we weren't making any money because uh, they would count, you know, the customers would count their change and, and sip on wine, and, and yeah. we, had to, we had to close it down. That's where it all began, isn't it? Exactly. Cheech and Shaw. Exactly. And Shelby was a waitress? I was a waitress. <laughs> Tommy wouldn't let me in the show. I asked me in the show. He said no. So I was a waitress. So it could have been Cheech and Chong and Shelby. Well, like it is now, Cheech and Chong and Shelby. <laughs> Baboom. Baboom. But there is one important magazine that we have left out here, Poppin. What's the importance of Poppin? Poppin. This is what the magazine Cheech was writing and selling. And uh, he was, uh, yeah, he was, he was a music uh, editor, I believe. And if we open right there, what do we see? We see... Warning. Some of the language used may be offensive. Richard Pryor. By? By who? Rich Marin. Was it Rich Marin? Yes, he wrote that. Yeah, Rich Marin. Yeah. So was he writing for the magazine before doing improv with you? Yeah, he was. He was. He was. Absolutely. And look at the great picture of, of Richard Pryor. And later, you met Richard Pryor. Cheech did at the Climax 2 Club? Yeah. We met... Uh, Actually, it was uh, the Bitter in West. That's where I uh, where I saw Richard work, you know, and, and we met him. 
I met him. Yeah, we met him there. Speaking of Bobby Taylor, I was curious, what can you say about these records here of your bandmates right here? What era is this, Tommy Chong? Right after I quit, and Bobby went on his own, and he did uh, for Smokey Robinson was the producer, and he did Taylor Made Soul, and he, there's Tommy. And what can you say about Tommy Milton? What ha- like what happened after Shades and after Vancouver's? Because we look at this Vancouver's picture, and you weren't in it, are you? Oh. Bobby Taylor in the Vancouver's. Oh. <laughs> Your brother-in-law's there. <laughs> We didn't, know that's about that. we didn't know about this. Oh, that's it. Oh, they used that one. Oh, isn't that funny? What's going on here? Oh, well, they 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 didn't tell us about this. <laughs> this is the first time we saw this. Bobby, G- Gary and Floyd. That's a bo- that's a band I had at the Center Grill. Yeah. yeah. And and I had to quit it because I was the only only one not getting paid. Them. He had to pay them and pick them up to drive them to the gig and well, the whole thing. Well, the gig paid them. What year is this? Enough money to get paid. What year was that, Tommy? That was uh, in the eighties, maybe nineties. It was after Cheech and I broke up, so so, so it'd be no, no, it'd be eighty. Yeah, I think it's so it's around eighty-two, eighty-three, around there. You don't have any pictures from that one. <laughs> Let's wait. And again, who are we here with? Shelby? Shelby Chong. And Tommy? Chong. At Neptune Records. I'm still looking at this bootleg record here. We have a Tommy 7-inch, don't we? So this is after the shades, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah. That's when he, he started doing com- cowboy music. Well, you know, he was in uh, Nashville trying to make it as a songwriter. And uh, I was there doing a, a video for... Um, Hank Williams Jr. Uh, it was all my crazy friends are coming over tonight, and I was there with George Jones and Willie, and all the all the great acts were there. And Tommy was such a fan of c- country music, so the after the video party, I invited Tommy to the party. I had no idea how racist Hank Williams Jr. was, and so <laughs> Tommy and I are at the party. And I thought everybody was acting kind of weird. You know, they're kind of walking by and looking at us. And we're, I was just sitting there and Tommy, we were just, you know, reminiscing because we hadn't seen each other for years. And then finally this drunk girl came up and she goes, ah, yeah, I like I like what you've done. I like that. And what that done? You know, she says, you don't know how, how, much, how much you pissed Frank <laughs> Hank Williams Jr. off, do you? And I said, no, what are you talking about? She's, hmm. Well, you know, <laughs> she looks at Tommy and gives that, that well, you know what I'm talking about, you know. Yeah. And then I got, I got the drift. And Tommy was, was very cool about it. Well, you know, he, he just ignored it like I did, you know. Because Tommy, like I say, he was a football player and he was, no, and he was a boxer by, by trade too. You know, he was like, fought some professional fights. So you didn't mess with him. You didn't. I'll Shelby Chong's leaving. Oh, one last thing, Shelby, before you leave. I was going to ask you, Jimi Hendrix in Vancouver. Did you ever see Jimi play live in Vancouver? Because I know you saw him in England. Did you ever see him in Vancouver? No, I no. didn't. I didn't. Like at the Buddha? Did, uh, any, did you know, we probably weren't living here then. We were no, probably in... We, we were gone then. We were probably in Detroit, freezing but to death, living with roaches. Jimmy... Jimmy and I, Jimmy okay, did a con- everybody. Well, thanks much, Shelby, and do, do, loot, do. Do, do, do. Yeah! <laughs>
amazing. Shelby. Yeah, she's amazing. From Thank you for British Columbia, Canada. Well, you're very lucky that she stayed still long as she did. You know, I was going to tell you about Hendrix. I saw Hendrix in Detroit, and he was at a little theater, and he played so loud that I had to leave the, the, the venue, go across the street to enjoy him. <laughs> and I did. I went outside, sat outside, and it was per like like a stereo. But inside, it was so loud. My, well, and I got bad hearing anyway, so it was it was pretty excruciating. But he knew you from playing playing with you and like seeing you, right? Or at least he well, would know, come up and see you at Elegant Parlor, right? Well, the weirdest thing, yeah, when we went to England with uh, Chris Clark, you know Bobby Taylor and all of us, we were playing in a little club. Jimmy came through the door, you know, with his entourage. He came up to me, and he's right away, hey, Tom. He was, apparently, he'd been following us. He'd seen us here and there. He was like a fan, you know, and, and, and he, 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 he was a big fan of Bobby Taylor's, for sure. And then uh, we hooked up together. But Jimmy was kind of, well, he was a, a heroin addict, and, and, you know, that's all he really cared about, you know, besides music, you know. Do you have any stories of kids bringing your records to school, like show and tell, bringing a Cheech and Chong record to school to show everybody? Well, it's not so much show and tell. What they would do, they would learn a Cheech and Chong routine, and then they would do it at, at their, you know, their showtime, <laughs> and then they would get, their parents would have to come and, and you know, they'd be told, uh, you know, you can't do that sort of stuff in, in the school. But more kids than enough. Got their start in show business doing Cheech and Chong bits, you know, because we were so crazy, you know. They uh, and the kids, they loved it. Well, to to this day, you know, I got a big, huge uh, kid following, you know, because they still they still uh, relate to that humor, you know. Snoop Doggy Dog once told me that if you put a blunt in a microwave for eleven seconds, it traps the ingredients in. What do you think about blunts? And microwaves. I'm not a blunt fan, and I'm dangerous around anything electric. <laughs> you don't want to trust me with anything. I always forget. How early? Do you ever, ever do that? Ever put toast in and then forget? And then all of a sudden burn? What the hell's smoke alarm going? Oh, toast. Yeah, I'll walk in a room. I think, see, they say weed's a gateway drug, but it's more of a doorway drug. Because the minute you walk through the doorway, you forget. Anything that you were going to get. And to this day, I'll, I'll have to stop and think, okay, where am, why am I here? What do I need? Tommy, could you have a shout-out to Yvonne Young? She's the one that helped set up this interview. Oh, Yvonne, Henry Young's uh, everything. <laughs> Henry Young's keeper. <laughs> and Henry's stepson, Garrett, G-Man. Oh, G-Man. He's doing well, isn't he? Yeah, he owns a club, Fortune Sound Club. Oh, that's his? Does Henry ever play there? I'm not sure, but what can you tell the people about Henry? Henry, Nina Simone, Henry, motorcycle rides down the hall. Henry, very, very interesting story. You know, his, uh, Henry, I met him. He, I came to Calgary, I mean, Vancouver when we, we got kicked out of Calgary. And I, we're staying at the, well, I was staying at the Strathcona Hotel. And about six o'clock in the morning, I get it banging on the door and I open the door. It's Henry. He says, hey, come on. <laughs> come on, I'll take you for, I'll, I'll show you around. <laughs> I said, okay. And we've been friends ever since. He was a young kid, motorcycle rider. And you lived with him? Well, he lived with me. 
And could you finally give a shout out to Yvonne Young? She helped set up this interview. Yvonne, you're my angel, dear. I love you. I always have. Henry doesn't know it, but I've always had a crush on you. Did you really smoke a joint with Arnold Schwarzenegger? A couple. A couple of joints. Actually, it was a bong. It was a bong hit. And all the bodybuilders would go over to this buddy's friend of mine, Zabel. He was in our movie. He was in uh, Nice Dreams. He was a he was a bodybuilder, and giving me uh, giving me t-shirts for I'd give him weed, he'd give me t-shirts in the movie. But we were over at Zabel. Zabel was a big pothead, and and his thing they had this big giant hook uh, water pipe, and they would uh, put like a half an ounce in the bowl, and then fire it up, and then the trick was to take it took so big that it would bring force the the bud, the burning bud, into the water and it would explode. That was a big deal. So they would pass that thing around. Arnold took a big hit. Whoa. And Dave Draper took a big hit. Same thing. Whoa. He handed it to me and I took the tiniest little hit. <laughs> it was like, okay. And they took it off. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> it was fun. What about the movie Spirit of 76? Do you remember that? With Leif Garrett and McDonald Brothers? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I had like a one-day shoot there. Yeah, it was in and out. And apparently, it's a lot of people's favorite movie. And for Up in Smoke, the band The Germs, the punk band The Germs, were going to be in that movie, but they got kicked out of the movie because they started a food fight. What do you remember about the punk in Up in Smoke? There was the Dills. You could hear the Dills, but the Germs never made it for the addition because at the Roxy, they started a food fight. Well, we shot a food fight. I wasn't there for the audition. I didn't. I wasn't there. The, the guy that handled all the punk guys, he, he took care of it. No, I, uh, my my aim was to uh, introduce new music into into the movie, you know, and th and that was the newest music out, you know, and so I, I made sure that uh, th that that was the first and probably only time punk w was shown like that, you know. After that, you know, it, it changed, you know. It's cool that you were able to introduce them because in 1978, you had to like MC in between bands at like a Texas Jam in like 1978. Do you remember that? That's pretty hard, isn't it? Like in between bands? What's happening there? Oh, no. It was, it was good. They pay you, man. They pay you, give you a mic. Where you go. No problem. Except we did a New Year's Eve gig one time and I was supposed to introduce, uh, what's a guy? Uh, Sebastian? John Sebastian, folk singer, and he uh, and he had a roadie that was real nasty, long hair, but he was creepy. And he, he says, are you introducing uh, John? I said, yeah. He says, okay, when you see me, that means John's right behind me. Start introducing him. I said, no problem. So I'm waiting, and I look. Oh, there he is. He comes up. So I introduce John Sebastian. Then he comes up to me. He says, hey, asshole, what are you doing? He's not ready yet. I was coming out here to tell you he's not ready yet. And then he turned and walked away. So I grabbed him by the ponytail. <laughs> and I gave him, gave him a shot. <laughs> Boom. I knocked his tooth out <laughs> right on stage. <laughs> Cheech, he had his back to me. He turns around and looks. He goes, what? what's, what's going on here? And then uh, 
you know, he didn't fight back or anything. <laughs> it was like one, sh one and done, you know. And then uh, then John eventually made it on stage, and then I'm backstage. And I felt kind of bad about it, you know. <laughs> and so I tried to apologize, you know, but he didn't. <laughs> he, he wasn't accepting my apology. And so, but everybody else came up and said, hey, man, thanks a lot. Because <laughs> we all, everybody wanted to smack the guy, you know. But I had to quit smacking people because it's a Canadian in me, you know. It's, you know, I grew up playing hockey and, you know, if someone insults you, you got to answer it right away, you know. And you can't let it slide or else it'll get worse. <laughs> but I, I, I after, right after that, I, you know, Cheech and everybody, they, they told me, you know, I, I, I'm too famous to be smacking people. <laughs> Tommy Chong, anything else to add to the people out there at all? Words of wisdom, you mean? Well, it's snowing in Montreal. And my only advice to anybody in the snow is don't eat the yellow snow. Lastly, Tommy Chong, what does dog shit taste like? Uh, if you smoke it, it tastes like, you know, good weed. You know? If it's mixed with weed, it doesn't matter. That's in there. Hey, listen, people have been smoking. Before it got legal, they're smoking a lot worse than dog shit, man. Because <laughs> when that weed comes up from Mexico and they want to make it heavier, <laughs> they don't, you don't know what's in there. Well, thanks so much, Tommy Chong. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do loot do. Do do.
you're still listening, I hope, to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there from 1965, Little Daddy and Your Bachelors with Junior's Jerk, written by Tommy Chong and with Tommy Chong live on guitar, live on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And before that, you heard a brand new interview with Tommy Chong and his wife Shelby, done at Neptune Records. To end the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, I thought I'd play a whole bunch of Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's album from 1968. But before that, I thought I'd play something from 1965 or so, from Little Daddy and the Bachelors, without Tommy Chong. This is when Little Daddy and the Bachelors recorded with Tommy Melton on lead vocals in Seattle, Washington at Kearney Barton Studio. He recorded them, and that was it. Years later, Norton Records discovered this recording and put it together as part of the Northwest Killers compilation, Shout, that they put out. So we're going to hear Come On Home by Tommy Milton and Little Daddy and the Bachelors not featuring Tommy Chong. And then we're going to hear a whole bunch of Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's featuring Tommy Chong on lead guitar. So from Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's, we're going to hear Does Your Mama Know About Me? That is actually written by Tommy Chong. And features Tommy Chong. All these songs features Tommy Chong on guitar. We're also going to hear Melinda. It's growing. If you love her, fading away. You gave me something day by day, and I'm your man. This is from 1968. A Vancouver group, Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's on Motown. On Motown. So a whole bunch of Tommy Chong to end the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show. But right now, here are Little Danny the Bachelors not featuring Tommy Chong doing Come On Home from 65, maybe at 66, on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show.
day, knowing any time you might walk away. Sacrifice, great or small, I would do. My ambition is. 